This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Youth Baseball Talk. Only on lineupmedia.fm. Now your host, Jim Cromer. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of Youth Baseball Talk, brought to you by The Rope Trainer. I encourage you to go to theropetrainer.com now and see what all the hype's about. You want to listen to John Smolch, Chris Verna, Earl Perrin, all the gang over there, as they've created a great device, a great tool for you to use to train the arm, to help rehabilitate the arm, to get the arm prepared, and most of all, to save some of those bullets from when you need them the most. Uh, they're making a difference over there with young arms, older arms alike. You're going to start seeing them in bullpens all over the country. You already are starting to see some pros use it as, uh, again, if John Smoltz and Chris Verner are going to be involved in it, you probably should pay attention. John took some time out of his Hall of Fame speech to address this arm epidemic we have with kids, and we take it very serious on this show. It was a natural marriage and relationship with The Rope Trainer. We appreciate their support, and we're asking you to check them out today, theropetrainer.com. Well, welcome to the show this week. Um, we continue our Chasing Velocity series, and I'm happy to welcome in my co-host, Spiker Helms. We're back. Yes, we are back. It seems like we're always here. Especially when we do the show the way we do it now. Yep. But, no, it's good. I mean, it's kind of like you get your baseball fix in, you get a little smarter, then you spend the next couple of weeks getting a little dumber, then you get a little smarter, right? Is that how it works? Well, we're just trying to help everybody out and, and trying to maintain that smartness. Is that a word? Yep. That's showing how dumb I am. But uh, if you want to do so, just check us out at youthbaseballtalk.com. It's where you'll hear this latest episode, of course. But you can also go back and listen to some of the past episodes. Uh, I'm getting a lot of feedback from people since we started these series, so to speak. We did the tryout series. Now we're on to Chasing Velocity, which you can't turn on anything <laughs> and and not hear people talking about velocity. It's a hot topic, of course. Um, at, at the end of the day, we got to discuss things and we got to try to get better about it because we're doing a lot of things great, but we're also doing a lot of things wrong. And there's only one way to fix that, and that's to become educated. So that's why we started doing it. But you'll find a lot of great episodes at youthbaseballtalk.com. Also, the easiest way to subscribe to the show, it is free. We highly encourage you to do it as you'll get just a notification on your phone every time we put on a new show. Twitter's been great to us as well. We appreciate all the interaction that we have on Twitter. You guys are great about sharing. That's really how the show grows, is you guys sharing it with people that you know are involved in youth baseball. And that's the crowd that we're trying to reach. Definitely, at Podcast Baseball. You follow us and you're involved in baseball, we're going to follow you back. We would encourage it. Uh, We would also appreciate it as well. Facebook, same thing. Mm -hmm. Youth Baseball Talk. Just type it in. You'll find us. If you'll like our page, share our content, we would greatly appreciate it. Spiker, I know you're asking people to send in some some neat stuff. Yeah, it's not about us. It's about you guys. Um, Send in your videos. Um, If you you caught caught your kid hitting a home run, we want to share that. That that is awesome stuff. If your kid has had a good good day on the mound, send that as well. Um, We're... Again, we're going to try to share as much as we possibly can, but we want to. See, we love to have conversations with you and kind of and kind of see how what's going on with you guys. Yeah, share it with us. We're happy to promote all the great stuff going on out there. I'm not a big fan of you sending in stuff saying, "Hey, here's my ten year old throwing. Give me some tips." Yeah, I not always, that. I not always that. type in the same thing. Just let him have fun. He's ten years old. Yeah. Looks good to me. I mean, I, you know, it's it's like it, even a kid dancing. Like if you found a kid dancing yeah, at the ballpark, ball like that's fun. That's, that's fun. fun. Stuff. That's what we want. We yeah. want to remember that it's supposed to be fun. But we also know that you take it very serious. If you didn't, you probably wouldn't be in this world, mm-hmm. surrounding yourself with a lot of these pitfalls. And that's really how the show has come to be. I mean, it's a show built around the mistakes. To be completely honest, that I made when I first started coaching. Not that I ever became perfect, but I do believe after reading Mike Matheny's book, reading Cal Ripken's stuff, uh, meeting some great people within the game of baseball that were uh, happy to share their knowledge with me, it, it did two things. Number one, it completely humbled me and made me realize how poor I was. Okay? And then it helped me be better, which at the end of the day, that's all we're trying to do here is help people be better. And again, I never was perfect. I still made some of the same mistakes the last day I coached as I did the first day. But what I do hope I did a better job of is not making some of those serious mistakes that may have a long-lasting health implication on a child. And that's really some of the Chasing Velocity series that we're doing now. It's not just about everybody here is Chasing Velocity think, okay, here we go. My kid's going to throw 100. Well, I don't know if your kid's ever going to throw 100. I sure hope he does. Chances are he's not going to. But mm-hmm. that doesn't mean we're not going to try to get better. And at the same time, 
we'd sure like you to get there in a healthful way. Yep. Development, development, development. And then having um, our guest on today, um, we had him on a previous show. We're going to hear a lot about development. Yeah, um, had a lot of great feedback on the last show about the program itself. Um, it's a quality organization. They, they do things the right way. They do a lot of things that um, you should want for if you want your kid to be involved. And again, all personal choice. You take your kid wherever you want to take them. At the end of the day, it's I say this, don't forget it. It's a family decision. You as a family are going to spend a lot of people where this is, with these people, with these coaches. You better make a smart family decision. But we got a lot of great feedback, had a lot of uh, interesting things said to us about the Rawlings Tigers organization, which confirmed kind of what I already knew. So he was such a great guest there, and we talked about having him back on as not only is uh, Mr. Berkby the general manager, manager for the Rawlings Tigers. He's also the pitching program coordinator. So let's welcome in David Berkeley from the Rawlings Tigers. How are you, bud? Good. Thanks for having me back, guys. Hey, thanks for doing the show before. Like I said, a lot of great comments. People um, interested to learn more about you guys. And of course, um, you know, real quick again, uh, tell them that website again for the Rawlings Tigers. Yeah, that is www.rawlingstigers.com. Well, again, it was a great episode as we learned more about your organization. And again, I am blessed to have some quality places here in St. Louis. They're all over the country. And again, if you have a great organization out there and you want to call in and talk a little bit about what you do, why you do it, and how you do it, feel free. I don't think for one minute, if you if you followed the show from the beginning, I had the gang on from California, Rod Marino and, the, and or Rudy Garcia, the gang from Elite out there. They do it completely different than we do it here in the Midwest. I did that show on purpose because I knew what it was going to be, completely different than what I believe. And that's okay. It's just different there. I don't agree with some of the things they do. It doesn't mean they're wrong and I'm right. It just means they do it differently. I wouldn't do it that way. That's okay. What I learned most about that was it was a major cultural difference as well there. Things are just different in areas where they play baseball year-round. It's just different. You need to accept that things in different places are just different. Otherwise, you're going to bang your head against the wall trying to convince everybody that everything you do is right and everything they do is wrong. It's senseless. Don't do it. Just get educated and find out what works best for you. So on that note, let's get back to David Berkby and what they're doing over at the Rawlings Tigers, especially when it comes to our series here, Chasing Velocity. Um, So, David, we start off really by kind of um, allowing you to talk a little bit about your pitching background. Yeah, so um, I guess I'll start with my playing background. I started at uh, Merrimack Community College in St. Louis. Uh, played there for two years and then went on to Missouri University of Science and Technology, or better known as RALA, Division II school in, in the state of Missouri. And that's where I finished up my college career. And as I was trying to figure out what I was going to do with the rest of my life after that, I, I decided I, I wanted to stay in sports and business. So I went into or went to Lindenwood University to get my uh, master's degree in sports management. Um, and at that point, I started working for Aaron Jaworski, who, who runs the Tigers, and um, just kind of fell into place to where... Um, when I started doing some part-time work just to get some money as a college kid, broke college kid, um, he started the Tigers. And I started working with him from day one, and I found a, a real passion for that. Um, never necessarily knew that I was going to be in that line of in- work for in this industry, but from the minute I started and started seeing the impact I could make in a kid's life and um, help him in his career with baseball and outside of baseball, I knew that it was something I loved, and I knew that I was going to be passionate passionate about it for the rest of my career, um, and, and that's what it's been like for me for the past seven years. You know, um, I, I, again, I say that we're blessed to have some really quality organizations here in St. Louis. I, I'm not naive enough to think that you guys all do everything the same, especially when it comes to something as serious as, quote-unquote, chasing velocity. So when you hear that term, chasing velocity, what's it mean to you? Um, and you can go as far off the ra- – I see the look on your face. So by all means, go off the rails as far as you want here. Well, it's it's everything every pitcher talks about now. Um, it's it, – when I, I coach 17-year-olds in the summer, I coach high school kids throughout all the winter. Um, if you ask them what's the number one thing a pitcher has or what's the most important thing, it, they, they'd all say velocity. They wouldn't say your ability to hit spots. They wouldn't say your ability to field your position. They'd say velocity. I mean, I was in the cage last Thursday right next to Spiker, and I had a 9U pitcher come in who, you know, just started pitching, and I asked him, how'd your weekend go? And he said, good, we won the tournament. So I'm thinking, oh, great, everything's good. What do you want to work on today? Well, my coach said I need to work on my velocity, and that's at 9 years old. So it's, it's a topic that gets brought up all the time, 
and and you can't get away from it. Um, and and you know, it's it's something that as Spiker knows gets me heated at times when we start skipping some of the other steps that go into being a good pitcher. I mean, is velocity important? Sure, absolutely. Um, it, it's gonna it's gonna be an important factor in your ability to pitch, especially if you want to continue your career into higher levels. Um, but is it everything? I don't know. You know, we hear um, we hear of all the things from the guys. What it always comes back to, and Spiker and I just always look at each other and laugh about this. It it really comes across as a um, it really comes across as a chicken and egg thing. Sure, people want velocity, and they think a lot of that is I just get on the mound and throw it as hard as I can. I, that's not necessarily true. I don't believe. And where I get the chicken and egg thing is like you got to learn how to throw. I mean, is that the hardest thing for you to get over to people? Like, okay, you want to throw harder? Well, then let's learn how to throw. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, I hear young guys all the time, 12, 13, 14 years old, asking me, how do I get more velocity? And then I go out to their games, and they can't play a simple game of catch. Well, how are we supposed to talk about high-intent throws or gaining more arm speed when you simply can't step in the same direction three times in a row and hit your partner in the chest? You know, it doesn't necessarily correlate for me. So, um, yeah, it's it's definitely a chicken and the egg. Um, you know, I guess for you, you know, you serve as a program coordinator and as a pitching guy. So you're, I'm not going to say you're serving two masters, but you're answering a lot of questions that kind of cross over. How hard is that for you? It's it's difficult um, because. You try and be as honest as you can with, with the players. And, and I try to pride myself on being honest. I, I try and tell them and give them an honest evaluation of exactly where they're at at all times and, and tell them, hey, you might be starting at step three. You're not at step 20 where we're talking about velocity yet, but you'll get there. You just have to stick to your process. You have to stick to your routine. That's where I try and, and bridge that gap and talk to those guys about it. Um, because everybody wants to throw harder, but are you necessarily ready to? Is your body ready to? Um, so that that's where I feel my role comes in a lot, especially with our, our pitching program and how I can help better educate the players from what I've learned, because I've been blessed to have, have listened and learned to have got a lot of really, really smarter guys than myself. And to na- it's in the, the analogy, let's talk addition and subtraction before we get into calculus. Sure, well, yeah, no, I mean, that's... <laughs> You know, that's the thing. I, it's funny. When you said, you know, you get some nine-year-old in the cage and say, well, what do you need to work on? Well, my coach says I need to work on velocity. It's like, oh, man. <laughs> I just Let's go straight to calculus. Let's Here just go. go straight. Yeah, <laughs> do not pass go. You know, let's just collect $200. Do not. <laughs> but um, do you have some influencers, some guys that you've followed that maybe made a difference for you or, or that you, you know, intently pay attention to as you feel like, yeah. This seems right. <laughs> I, I like I like a couple of the guys you've had on the show already. One, Alan Jager was is a huge influencer in my in my knowledge. I've listened to him speak at many different conventions and follow him adamantly on how he teaches you to listen to the arm, the the role that long toss plays, his band work, his arm care, um, his re, rehabbing, rebuilding the arm process. Um, he's been a big one. Um, I, I like Travis Kerber, <laughs> another guy that that I had you speak on or that you guys had on this show. Um, but then a couple guys that just work within the Tigers who I've, I've been blessed to listen to, and Brian Unger, who's the former coach at Quincy University, has played a big role in my career, and who I've had the pleasure of coaching with at the 17U level for the last five years. Um, and Travis Griffin, another guy who's kind of like an Alan Jager. He's like a mini Maybe Alan Jager. Um, yeah, wait a minute. He, a mini he Alan. Might, Alan's not got, the biggest guy in the world. Well, I mean, okay. he's like he deals with a lot of pro guys, and he's with, and he's in our organization. Like it's crazy. He's actually he's actually going to be an assistant coach with me. So I have like this vast of knowledge <laughs> that's going to be like right next to me. So, well, I, listen. Everybody has to have an influencer. Oh, everybody. Know. Now the, the the problem is is that sometimes those influencers in life aren't good. I mean, we get influenced both positively and negatively in our lives. Chasing velocity to me is a very serious topic only because you can go with this two different ways. And I think, and you know, David, you tell me, I mean, you're taxed with it, right? When somebody comes to you and wants to start talking about it, it can go a variety of ways. When you have a nine-year-old get in your cage and say, my coach told me I need to work on my velocity, that makes me run for the hills versus, okay, yes, we need to work on your velocity, but it's not as simple as you just get in here and start throwing the heck out of it, and boom, problem solved. 
it's a lot of work, and it's doing a lot of things the right way, and that's really where this has come from. Um, For you, uh, just your general thoughts on some things you got to do if you really want to do it right. One, yeah, I always go back to the word process. I go back to that word and routine. Um, So, for instance, if I'm talking to a high school player, uh, 15 years old, coming into his body, has an idea and understanding for his mechanics a little bit because I don't think any 15-year-old is truly polished yet. Um, and he's doing a lot of the other stuff right, such as he has an understanding for a throwing routine. He has an understanding of when his no-throw period is. How is he going to build back up his arm? Um, How is he going to take care of his arm in terms of arm care? Um, how is he going to structure out his weekly throwing program, his routine? If he can answer me all those questions, and at least not that he has to be insanely knowledgeable in those, but that he can answer some of those questions, then I think we start to get into the idea of, okay, let's let's start to talk about velocity a little bit. Um, where do you rank it? I mean, fortunately or unfortunately, I mean, it's, you know, I, I've said it on the show before, you know, we can't ignore it. People kind of want to disregard it. And I get that, you know, it seems it's a lot of the kids that can't throw hard. So sometimes it's them or their parents that want to bring attention to, well, I'm a pitcher. You know, this guy throws hard. There's again, we got to address it because that's how they're being judged. So it's like, well, we can ignore it. That's always my favorite too. You'll get a couple guys out there college coaches or whatever that'll say, I'm looking for pitchers. Those guys tomorrow, if some guy shows up throwing 95 and can't throw a strike, they'll be happy to sign him. Happy to sign him. It's like I I hear that all the time, and I'm like, you're not doing anybody any favors by not addressing the reality of it. Now, we've all been a part of and seen guys that can flat-out pitch and maybe don't. Good for them. Good for them. Three guys in Major League Baseball that did not break 90. Chris Young. Greg Maddox, Mark Burley. Yeah. One of them is a Hall of Famer. And Mark Burley is awful good. Oh, he's filthy, nasty. <laughs> Awfully good. So that's my question. So three. Those are, those are the three I got. <laughs> yeah, oh, sorry, so, I, I didn't have know, enough time no, no, no. for research. <laughs> no, but my point is, is I think, and I again, this is from people smarter than me, if you, the minor leagues are littered with guys that throw 96 and can't throw a strike. Yep. They'll tell you it's hard to hit in the minors. If you ask any guy, like you guys probably know some, they get down there and like, man, you might see one strike, and you're looking at pitches routinely in the eyes. In the ear hole? That's really yeah. hard to hit. So I always say, I'm like, well, why don't the major league guys do that? Yeah, yeah. They'll, like, they'll place it on the black, <laughs> and then the next one's right at your ear well, hole. Well, everybody wonders why Bob Gibson was so good, right? Yeah. Um, which was another great story I'll share with you later from my episodes with Benji this week. He tells a story. Bob told him a phenomenal story. So, um, so for you, as you get into this, more and more each and every year. Um, you've had some guys, you know, as I followed you guys and, and your progress and as you guys have, have really put yourselves on the map as an organization, you've had some guys really throw it and, yep. and beginning to get some accolades. Talk a little bit about that process and and kind of living that with them. Yeah, well, I guess um, to answer your first question, where do I rate it on a scale of importance? Or maybe if you have like a pie chart here, how, how much of the sliver is velocity? Um, I guess it's different with every kid, but you can't ignore it. It is there. I mean, when I talk to college recruiters every year, and we're talking about pitchers, uh, after the question about grades first, it's, it's general. <laughs> well, it's hey, sh- right. let's stop for a minute and take a clap. <laughs> grades first. Yeah. You know, it's sometimes we get so going into this that we yeah. forget the grades. Yep. Yes, yeah. go ahead. But then, but then it is the second, okay, well, where's his velo at? And then, you know, so I say, okay, it's here. And then, but then they start to ask about, okay, sure. what's his pitch ability like? Can he control a secondary pitch? Can he control a fastball? What's his mound presence? Um, it's going to be different for every kid. Certainly, velocity will get you in the door. I've never, ever heard a college coach or a high school guy or even us in a trial process looking at an eighth grader trying to get into our high school program. I've never turned away a kid who's throwing 78 to 80 as an incoming freshman. There's the, there it is. See, it's, there's the honesty. There's the real out reality. Yeah. You don't get that enough. That's the reality. You don't turn those guys away. No. Now, there's no guarantee those guys are going to last. Never. Okay, because here's the problem. If they can't pitch when the velocity goes away, they go away. Or the other side of that coin, too, is if they don't learn how to pitch, eventually it's enough. Right. I mean, the, the major leagues has guys that throw the crap out of it. And what do they get in trouble doing in the late innings? When when does a reliever really get in trouble in late innings? When he can't throw a strike. Right. We've lived it. We've seen it. 
we we deal with it. So I, that's awesome to hear you say that. That is I, that is a one of the best ways I've heard it put. Only because it's dealing with it, but also understanding what it is. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not putting everything in that ba- putting all those eggs in that basket, but it truly is. You got you know, it's like the thirty thousand pound pink elephant. If it's in the backyard, you don't have to worry about it so much. But if it's in your living room, you got to deal with it. Yep. Um, we ask our 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 guys four questions. And we do this as we have you in here because we want to make sure that you understand that we take the role, Spiker and I, of a mix of parent, coach, kid, it, just somebody seeking information. So we tried to roll these into some, and some of these you might go, well, that seems pretty basic. But again, these are people that don't know. So we're asking, right? First question I ask you, and you just come right off the cuff with these, ready? Is throwing a baseball safe or better yet, even a good idea? Um, Is that a loaded question? I hear you yeah. laugh like that. Well, I like the question. I I, I think it's a different one. Um, I'll start with the safe uh, part of it, and I think that I, I can't guarantee you that it's a hundred percent inherently safe. But I think there are a lot of things you can do to minimize your risk. Um, I think anywhere from, and I, I'll go back to this word. You'll hear me use it a lot: process and routine. If your process and routine is good, and you have surrounded yourself with a bunch of people who have given you good information in terms of pre-care, arm care, uh, how to make sure you're routined out, how to make sure you're doing it in a healthy manner. Are you taking your time off? Are you, are you stretching properly? Do you have an understanding of how to play catch properly? Yes, I think you can certainly minimize your risk. Um, but, you know, there's, there's risk in driving a car. There's risk in swinging a golf club. So you can't ever get away from it. Is it a great idea? Yeah, absolutely. I, and I'll, I'll take it from this standpoint of my own personal life with baseball. I mean, it's brought me so much joy. It's, it, I'll remember back when I was a kid waiting urgently for my dad to get home to hand him his glove and us to go play catch, and he can throw me pop-ups, and I can act like Ken Griffey Jr., or I can act like Ozzie Smith. And then growing up, I just went to a best buddy's wedding that I met in junior college baseball. So those things wouldn't have happened if it wasn't a good idea to play catch. It's not all about what happens right. between the lines. Right. There's a lot of great things that happen within the game of baseball off the field. Yep. So that is awesome to hear you say that. Next question. Can you tell if your kid is prone to injury from pitching? Yes. Um, I think there, there are certainly some. Um, let me preface it with this. Every kid's different. So I hate to ever be the guy who quickly judges or thinks that I'm the coach who can fix you. Like, you've been to six coaches. I'm the guy who gets it. I'm not that guy. Um, I like to build a relationship with the players I coach. I like to try and understand where they're coming from. Um, Are there certain tendencies and mechanics that you can see? Yeah. Um, If you're you're late or off timing with your arm, I think that that could put you at risk. If you don't have the correct range of motion in your your, uh, shoulder or internal and external rotation, I think that that can – certainly put you at risk. If your body's not ready to throw with some of the arm speeds, I had a 14U kid who grew six inches last year alone, and he's having some growth plate issues because his arm is so fast, but his body's not ready for it. So you can see that at times. Um, But, I mean, yes, you can see that. I also ask, what are the routines? Are you doing some things too much or too less? Um, your habits can tell you a lot of whether or not you're going to be prone to injury. Are you, are you doing high-intent velocity throws all the time without the proper rest? Yes. Are you throwing back-to-back outings all the time? Yes, you could be prone to injury. Should I be worried if my kid can't throw hard? No. Um, I, that's what I, I would say no to that question because... I guess it's different at all ages. Um, when we're talking about youth baseball players, I just think there's so many things. And I, I clarify youth as maybe 9U to 14U, whatever. Yeah, it's a little is. different to everybody, so it's good you did that. Um, yeah. I, I think that there's so many more categories in pitching that come ahead of velocity at that point in time because you don't even know where your body's going to be at in 10 years. Um, so, or I'm sorry, 8 years or so. Um, so I wouldn't worry so much about those aspects at the youth level. Once you get to high school, if, if you're a junior, senior, not throwing the speeds you want and your body's developed and your mechanics are, maybe you should be a little worried and maybe give a little bit more focus onto the velocity side of things at that point. Last question. Is there a breaking point for my kid's arm? Absolutely. 
Um, and I, I'm going to dive into uh, something that I that I listen to Alan Jager talk a lot about, and and his idea of listen to your arm. I can't preach that enough to my players. It's something that I'll give you my personal story. I've had Tommy John surgery on my elbow, um, wow. and I, not only did I not listen to my arm, I completely ignored my arm. And I think that happens so often in this game to where you ignore the pain feeling, you ignore the stress for whatever reason. I ignored it just because I wanted to keep pitching in the game. I didn't want to look soft. I didn't want to let down my friends and my family. Um, So silly reasons like that that kept me going back out there and doing everything I could to ignore it. And, you know, you you ignore it over and over and over and over again, it's going to break. So, yeah, if you if you consistently don't listen, do some of the things that you're told not to do, because everybody knows you're not supposed to necessarily go out there and throw every day as hard as you can or throw back-to-back days of four innings each, but you do it anyway. Well, yeah, I, you know, for me, and I to hear you say that is amazing because that means a lot to me as a parent and a coach because I have to learn. Right, I have to get smarter. I have to get better. Um, you say some things to me that give me encouragement for the people that are helping our kids. Uh, I, I always think back to being an uneducated guy. Not, not that I'm like this grossly overeducated guy now, but I am smarter just from being around people like yourself and learning. Um, we talk a lot about, and it was interesting to hear you say it. The you know what's the process? You know, so for you, the process being important. Because I think back to, and, and we had Brian DeLunis on a, a few weeks ago, um, and I remember the first day I ever met with him about my older son, and I realized how dumb I was. Because we, I, I went over there with the anticipation of talking about everything he was going to do, and for those of you that can't see, I'm moving my arm in a pitching motion. And basically, I left there 30 minutes later realizing that the majority of his work was going to start in their workout room. Mm-hmm learning how to use his body to strengthen the parts that needed to be done to something he called sequencing, which I, or, you know, or mapping, which I still not Mm -hmm. sure what that means, but Mm -hmm. they're all terms that I know you guys use to prepare a body to be able to throw the ball, hopefully with velocity, but at least throw it in a manner that's minorly, uh, I say minorly healthy. Yeah. Because again, as you said it, and I thought you put it very good, pretty very eloquently that, I can't promise you you won't get hurt, but it's a great thing. And if you do a lot of things, our hope is to lessen that risk of energy. And one thing that Dave hit, too, was trusting that process. And I want to hit on that point is that um, we look back at a video. um, It was about a year ago, and it was of one of our players, Eric Miller, who is – he's a Sunday guy for Stanford now, right? Yep. Um, Pitching in the the Pac-12, and we looked at his video, and it was – the worst thing I have ever seen in my entire life. And this is when he was a freshman and we, we were laughing about it. And it's like, he never chased velocity. Well, that we're chasing velocity, but he, his concern was what makes me the best pitcher. And then let's see where the chips lie after that. Luckily enough, he grew into his body and then he was just a workout fiend. He was always in the weight room, always working on his craft. And he, he was in the facility all the time. I mean, what I'll, what I'll tell you about him, and, and I can sell, say this about several other kids who I've had the uh, pleasure to coach, Eric was one of the more routined-out players that I've ever been associated with. He could tell you Thursday at 4.30 p.m. what he was going to be doing that week. Um, and, and whether that was in the weight room, whether that was um, his studies, whether that was in, in the cage learning you're working on his pitching, he was routined out. He had a process for everything. And then the other best part about him was when I gave him a suggestion or I gave him something to work on, he was borderline obsessed about getting that done quickly and figuring it out. And he wouldn't stop until he did. Yeah, you know, I again, I, I go back to the great quote from Roger Clemens, my only day off is the day I pitch. <laughs> you know, I... And again, Roger Clemens means a lot of things to a lot of people, and we can talk about the PED situation, whatever. The thing that you'll always hear about, those, the guy worked so hard. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember seeing the videos when he was in Boston, all the running and all the things that he did for his core and things like that. You realize real quick what they have to do to their bodies to do what they do. And again, I, I, 
I, I, I always take it all the way back to the very first time I ever met Brian DeLunis. And when I was very early in my relationship with Rick, I took my kid at 14 to a St. Louis Pirates facility they used to have. And he was doing his stuff over here. But in the background, I'm watching all these kids do these amazing things. And I'm like, what is that? I'm like, what, what are they doing? Well, it looks, it looks like they're working out. No, it was a throwing program. And it wasn't just getting on a mound. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's face it. To that point, that was my experience. Yep. I got a pitching lesson today at 30 minutes, and you show up, and you basically get on a mound and start throwing. Well, how crazy is that? That's crazy, and I'm sorry if you're out there doing that, but no kid should show up to you for a pitching lesson and get on the mound and start throwing. That's crazy. Am I wrong? No. No, not at all. Doesn't he need to get loose and get ready to throw? God, it just drives me crazy to think about some of the things that I I did with my own kid. So I'm not above it. I've made all those mistakes and more, and I just want to help guys. And, you know, it it, it absolutely um, gives me hope to hear you because, again, you're right here in my backyard um, to know that you're doing this stuff the right way. And, again, I know not you, not Spiker, nobody from your organization has ever claimed to be perfect. But, you know, you guys are doing it the right way. And for the most part, I can honestly say that about all these organizations. Now, I can get on everybody's ass a little bit about maybe the way they handle a couple of things. But they, they, they could probably say the same thing about me. But for the most part, I genuinely believe that I think they've got the kids' best interest at heart. So um, the Rolling Tigers are in great hands, my friend. You're doing a great job. Thank That's, you. It's great to hear from you. And, uh, you know, thanks for coming in again. I mean, I know we did the episode just to teach people a little bit about the Rawlings Tigers, what you guys were about. But this Chasing Velocity series to us is, is very serious. We take it very serious. Um, you know, and uh, you know, on that note, let's, uh, let's tell our listeners a little bit about if they're interested to learn more, what would be the easiest way for them to, to contact you? And, and, and if you want to, kind of walk us through that process. Like, if you really want to really look at it and see where you're at, what would that process look like? Yeah, I think, uh, again, go into our website at www.rollingstigers.com. Um, you can find uh, staff info about all of us, and you can – my email's on there, Spiker's email. You can reach out to us at any time with any questions that you need or, or have. Uh, we're always here to help. Um, that would probably be the best way, or through our social media. Yeah. And, and make sure you follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We, we always are trying to push out – uh, the best content that we can. I'm getting better at it. I'm not at Spiker's level. I'm not either. Believe me. I, listen, between him and Roe, if it wasn't for them, I, I mean, the show, my show would still be going down that that slow climb instead of growing at the rate it is, thanks to these guys. But no, hey, listen, really appreciate you. It's good to know that there's a whole lot of kids that I probably know at some juncture that will be in good hands. And uh, just keep up the good work, man. It's awesome what you guys are doing over there. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, guys. That's David Berkby, general manager for the Rawlings Tigers, also their pitching program coordinator. And I got to tell you, um, you know, this Chasing Velocity series, when we did it, we didn't do it this one with the intention of, okay, we're going to do three or four episodes. There are so many great people out there, and we're hoping to even bring you more. We're just going to kind of continue it because it is, it's a topic that's not going away. No, not at all. You know, not I mean, it's, all. you know, I, I know that our next topic, I can tell you, is probably going to be like to swing up. Or swing oh, down. That be, is the question. That is going to be, that's going to be the, the new one. Epic, yes. epic episode. I cannot ever. wait to have uh, some of these guys on and talk about it. I am going to reach to the far ends of the earth. Oh, yes. I'm going to reach to the far ends of the earth to try to get some of these guys on here that are, you what know. if we got Donaldson? Well, oh, well wow. I know I can get Tewksbury. That won't be an there issue. So, no, hey, listen, I am, um, I'm excited about this. And again, I appreciate the feedback we get from you guys because it's why we do this. And you know, it's one thing to come on and talk about something one time and you hear it and you kind of think, okay, and maybe you make an adjustment or you look into something, but when you keep it fresh in the mind of what we're doing here, it's kind of what we're excited about. So, um, really enjoyed it. And like I said, I, you know, listening to, to David today, talk a little bit more about the pitching aspect of this. I want to touch on something that he said, and I did mention it to him, but I'm going to bring it up again because this is the word, okay, that, and I love that he said it because it, it reigns true with anything. Now, again, this is a baseball show, of course, but I know we have some softball people that listen, thanks to some of the great guests we've had on that are involved in both. But especially in these two sports, and I will tell you this for any sport, if you're out there searching for something, I don't care if it's chasing velocity, I don't care if it's hitting, working out, I don't care what it is. When you start talking to people and you start trying to find out, is this a good fit for me, the one word that I would be looking for in that conversation is the word process. 
Embrace the process. Because that's exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. You, Steve Springer says it all the time. We need to change our vision of what success and failure is, okay? We, we have in our mind what we think success is. We think success is getting a hit. Well, it's not necessarily true. You got to take a good at bat. Well, what's a good at bat? Well, get smarter and figure out what a good at bat is. Mm-hmm. My kid can get two hits in a game, and I can tell whether or not he swung the bat well or not, and if it's going to lead to future success. It's all part of a process. How do you get there? How do you give yourself the best opportunity? Especially when you hear pitching and you hear process, that's even more serious to me because of this. There's a lot of false stuff going on, a lot of false claims, a lot of false hope. I've said it before. If something seems too good to be true, it probably is. The one thing I will tell you that I can guarantee you today is there is no easy road to any of this. It's a process. Anybody that tells you, oh, get him in here. We'll fix him up. No problem. We'll have it taken care of. No problem. You need to turn and run the other way. Now, if somebody looks at you and says, we think we can help him, for sure. Bring him in. We'd love to work with him. Talk to them about the process. Say, what does that process look like if you're going to try to help my son? If they can't lay out a process for you, you might be buying a bridge somewhere in Florida or some swampland. Be careful. Talk about the process because it is a long one and it is a hard one. Those are the things you need to ask yourself. People ask me this all the time. How do I know if my son's ready for all this? Is he ready for the process? I, I, I don't want to talk about is he ready to go play in a baseball game. I don't want to talk about how good he'll be compared to the other kids. That's all part of the games. If you really want to be good at this, it is a process. Let's just cut to the chase. It's hard well, work. Yes. It's hard work. Yes. I Very can't t- hard I work. can't tell you how many hours I have spent in a cage. Uh, how many times I've tried to beg my coaches keep the cage open just a little bit longer. And this is talking about our indoor. Yeah. I, hey, I you know, uh I told you that I had another Benji Molina story for you from yeah, the, the week I spent with him. This was a good one. Two things now that you said that. It made me think of a second thing he said. First thing's a great story about and I think uh David and uh, I think our last guest too, Lance Wheeler had kind of touched on um attitude and things like that and process and all that kind of stuff. It's funny, uh McCarver and Gibson were together and, and Benji Molina and there and Yachty's there and they're all talking about and this is what's amazing. You're talking about guys that are the best at what they've done, and they still sit around and talk about the game and how they did it and what they do and what they should be doing. McCarver tells a story that uh, Gibson's throwing. Some guy, young guy, gets in there and just inadvertently just starts digging in. Oh. You don't, digging that back foot in. And you Gibson, don't dig into Bob. Gibson walks two feet down the mountain and says, What are you doing there, youngster? Uh, 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 nothing. He goes, I'm asking you a question. Uh, and the kid actually says, uh, just getting ready, Mr. Gibson. Didn't know what to say. You going to dig in on me there? Oh, oh. And he starts wiping the the thing. No, sir. <laughs> so, you know, I, I want people to think about attitude, how you have to do this, what you have to have. I mean, it's a great story oh. because intimidation, being on that mound, you know, as Benji told me that day, hey, that guy – out on that mound, if I'm a hitter, he's trying to get me out. Heck with that. And if you're on the mound, that guy's trying to get a hit off me. Heck with that. That's what you said. It's hard. This is mano a mano. We are going head-to-head here. And that's why, as Steve Springer says, we need to change our idea of success and failure. You didn't fail if you didn't get a hit. What you failed at is if you went up there and had no approach, didn't take it, didn't approach it the right way, didn't, then you may have failed. And, I, and as a hitter, I remember my senior year, I was like, you know what? I'm crowding the plate. Yeah. I want that guy to challenge me. That's right. come, come get me, big boy. Let's That's do this. Right. Let's dance. And I guarantee you, he if he was worth his salt, he was standing on that mound going, you're going to crowd the plate on me? Let's see how you like and this guess, one in on guess, your hands. And guess what they did? They threw on the outside corner. That's right. Because everybody, and that drives those guys nuts if yep. you ask them that yep. anymore. And then I, crazy. I had one guy, Texas Tech guy, he brushed me back one time. And then guess what I did? I tried to crowd a little bit, a little bit more, and see yeah. what he would do. And it was kind of like a battle between. Right. And it, but it goes back to attitude. That's right. And I have full respect. I still talk to that guy from Texas Tech, and we talk about that day all the time. Yeah. No, it's good stuff. The second thing was, and, and you brought up keeping the lights on and the working out. We were at the we were at our facility here in Nettersville, which is obviously really nice. And um, it was a Sunday night. It was this Sunday. It was the Cardinals played a day game. Went and got him. Come back. He's out there working with my kids. We're in the batting cage at the JV field, which is turf, mm-hmm. okay? And we have this beautiful complex. 
I want to say it's about 7 o'clock at night. There's nobody around. It's Benji Molina, me, and my two boys. Sun's about to set. Sun's about to set. And he looks at him and he says, how hard do you want to work? Ooh. And they both, of course, hard. We're willing to do whatever. He said, well, I've heard your dad talk about what a great baseball town this is, but it's 7 o'clock on Sunday night, and I see this unbelievable complex, and there's no kids out here. How hard do you want to work? Because they're not working. He says, if this was Puerto Rico, there'd be 300 kids on this field right now, some of them without shoes, some of them without a glove, some of them without a bat, some of them without a shirt. They'd be working. How hard do you want to work? It's right here. You have no excuses. You have this beautiful complex. What, how hard do you want to work? But, Mr. Molina, I have a video game that has my name on it. <laughs> and that's the first thing he did was make that motion with the thumbs. It was funny. <laughs> but, no, hey, he's dead on. He's absolutely dead on. How hard do you want to work? And he told them, when they told me I was slow, my dad didn't say, let's go get faster. He goes, I, he goes, I like, he goes, I've become good friends with your dad. I guarantee you, if somebody told you you were slow, your dad would take you somewhere and help you get faster. If they told you you weren't strong enough, your dad would take you somewhere. That's not good enough. You need to do it on your own. That's when your dad, your coach, your friends, evaluators, which that's what it's coming to for you someday, not your daddy, not, a, not your high school, someday some guy is going to evaluate you and decide if you're A, good enough, and B, if you're worth them giving you anything. And that thing we're talking about giving you, sometimes, yes, if we're talking about college, maybe it's a little bit of money, which there isn't a lot for, by the way. Mm-hmm. But what they're talking about giving you is an opportunity. And are you willing to work hard enough to get this opportunity? I'm telling you, if I could have recorded the conversation that he had with my kids. Be gold. I, I should have done it. I just, But I was in awe of listening to him talk about this. Now, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to know the story of the Molinas. I mean, he wrote a great book about it. Go read it. But the truth of the matter is, they obviously, he'll tell you, no, we weren't like dead poor. But no, we didn't have the greatest of everything. But, you know, we ate and everything like that. So I'm not going to sit here and tell you. He goes, but no, we didn't have the greatest of everything. We, we swung at anything we could make that was a ball. We did this, we did this. But where the real work for them started is when they got older and realized that they had a chance, what were they willing to do? And it never, ever, if you, if you hear from them, it never revolved around anybody making them go do something. It was around a guy, and he said, a guy that's going to do it to you here real soon, bud, buddy. He calls everybody buddy. Mm. Some guy in a couple years, buddy, is going to come to you and tell you whether or not you're good enough. How are you going to feel when he says you're not good enough? And you say, well, why? And he says, you're not fast enough. What are you going to do? Like the guy says in a movie, in, in, in The Untouchables, what are you prepared to do? Do you want to go run? Do you want to go lift some weights? Or do you want to go home and say, well, my mommy and daddy thought I was good enough. I don't understand why this coach doesn't think I'm good enough. What are you prepared to do? And when your parents stop being the ones that take you, I have great coaches always told me, I've had a lot of great players that I thought were going to be good, but I've learned over the years to, to, to not rush the judgment until they're 16. Because when they get freedom to go here or go there, it's the ones that keep coming to the baseball field with that freedom that are the difference makers. Great quote. Ole Miss, Mizzou, South Carolina, you name all the big schools. College World Series is coming up. My favorite part is just watching those players, enjoying every single moment. Oh because I know what they went through leading up to that moment. And some guys don't even get there. We were one of them. We were one win away from going to the, play LSU in the Super Regionals. Guess who that team was? That was Stony Brook. They ended up going to the World Series that year. So I was one win away from the World Series because we would have guaranteed beaten LSU. Guaranteed. We had, we had a first-rounder, and we had the Golden Spike semifinalist. We would have gone through there and beat them. Wow. So when I, when, I see, when I see these World Series teams, you've got to think about how many times did they ask their coach to keep the lights open? Yeah. How many times did they beg their dad to take them to the cage? Those are the questions that need to be asked. Well, I'll assure you this. I don't know any coach that wouldn't love for a kid after practice to come up and say, Coach, you mind if I stick around and hit some more in the cage? You mind if I? Or even, hey, you know, and listen, these coaches work tirelessly. 
I've seen kids come up and say, hey, would you mind throwing extra to me after practice? And they will do it. Now, they're human. They're may, they may have to get somewhere. And, but I guarantee you, the coach that I know here, if, I, if my kid went to him and said, I'm really struggling, can you help me? Even if he had to say, I appreciate you asking, I have to get to a birthday party or I have to get to something, how about you and I get together at another time? I guarantee that would be the conversation. A lot of kids think the conversation would go like this. Hey, coach, do you have some extra time for me? No. That's what kids think. Yeah, that won't happen. Not if he's a good coach. Yeah. I'll assure you that. Good stuff, man. Really, really appreciate it. Hey, let's remind everybody we couldn't do the show without the ropetrainer.com. Again, we're talking about great people involved in the game of baseball. Uh, you know, Earl Perrin is so passionate about this product that he's developed over time. He's done the necessary work to make it a quality item. Again, getting somebody like Chris Verna involved was very important to Earl. You know, it's one thing to have something for people to kind of endorse it because they've used it and they like it. It's another thing to get a guy like Chris Verna involved to say, it works. Now let me tell you why it works. And we're going to go ahead and send it off to some places and have it scientifically studied, and now we're going to show you the benefits as well. Then you add in a guy like John Smoltz, who I always say, if he's going to speak, I'm going to listen. I don't know if you guys have been catching him on, on MLB. I mean, I love the, how candid he is about things. He is a, a tremendous guy to have on. He's a big advocate for taking care of young arms, mm-hmm. and I think we're all lucky to have him involved. Yeah. And the ropetrainer.com is so lucky to have this guy involved because, again, I hate to say this, but I think sometimes you've got to have people like that involved in something before people will take you seriously. So if that's what they needed, good for them because it's working. We're seeing these in the bullpens all over the country. There should be one in everybody's bag. Whether you're a pitcher or not, it's just good for you. So make sure you check them out, theropetrainer.com. Okay, it's time to hear from our contributors as we do each and every week. Let's take, a, uh, let's take you on over to our good friend Justin Stone with his EliteBaseball.tv training tip of the week. Take it away, Justin. Thanks, Jim. Justin Stone here with EliteBaseball.tv back with you this week with the tip of the week. Players outside playing games, I want to go to the defensive side now and give you a tip that I often hear as players come back to me for lessons on the struggle they're having from the defensive standpoint. Now, let's rewind a little bit and something I've talked about on this podcast before. Defensive play, especially on the ground ball, is technique and timing. And just like a player hitting in the cage, we do our technique work off of a tee, a stationary ball. Our footwork is learned in the same pattern when we work indoors, oftentimes against a stationary or very slow-moving ball. So that's the technique we learn in our footwork. And then the timing applied is just like hitting again. Timing involved in the ground ball play is trying to make it so my feet work through the ball in one fluid motion through the catching and throwing process. When players can do this under control in a smooth tempo and still keep their body flowing in one fluid motion through the catch throw, then oftentimes they're having success. But here's where we see the fault. They get out onto the field for the first time, they're playing games, and just like we see the struggles at the plate, adrenaline and anxiety do different things to a hitter. They do different things to a fielder too. So all of a sudden, all the drill work that we did inside, and we're seeing players could execute flawless footwork and timing and tempo through the ground ball, throw it across the turf to a first baseman over and over in drill work, and then they get out on the field, and all of a sudden they look like they've never done it before. And what happens, and you can picture this in your mind as I talk about it, a player runs up to the baseball quickly, their tempo is too fast. They stop and put on the brakes all together, completely stopping their body prior to fielding the ground ball. The ground ball then takes an abrupt hop. We no longer are choosing the hop we want as an infielder. It plays us. It bounces off of the athlete. They recover and try to get it, usually end up rushing and making a throwing error. So we have multiple things that have gone wrong in that one ground ball that I can aid you as we get out into our games now and help you through this process. So yes, getting out on a field and practicing ground balls on a field, there is no substitute from that. It's different than anything that you're doing in an indoor setting and training in the wintertime, and there is no substitute for getting out and taking ground balls. Part of my routine as a young athlete, as many times as I could, especially in the summertime we were out of school, it was taking a hundred ground balls out on the field. My mom would hit them, my brother was the first baseman, sometimes we'd switch roles, but we would take those hundred ground balls because I wanted to know the different spin of the ball, the different location, the ground I was playing on. All of those make every ground ball play unique. It's like a snowflake. Everyone is a little bit different. But through the training that we have in your indoor setting, this is where it can benefit. We have to instantaneously know what footwork we're applying to each ground ball 
the moment it's hit. And the only way we can do that is getting out on the field and actually taking ground balls. Anything that you do inside will benefit in terms of technique and timing, but not necessarily carry over to gameplay. So that's step one. Let's get out and let's practice taking ground balls on the field. But if we still have that air of players running up to the ball and collapsing, they're running too fast, their tempo was on a 9 on a 10 scale or maybe at a 10, and they get up and they put on the brakes all of a sudden, it looks like they're skidding into the ground ball, and then it bounces off of their body and their hands are caught on their body and they're making air after air. Here's what I want to do to that athlete. I want to back them up a little bit and I want to back them up from their normal starting defensive position and I want to force this athlete to have to stay on the move to every ground ball. If we can simply keep young athletes' bodies in motion, they're gonna have a greater level of success. So sometimes older athletes come into me and say, you know, he's got the yips, it's a mental thing. And in fielding, fielding slumps can be ever bit as more mental and even tougher to come out of than a hitting slump. Because you have that anxiety all the time of when is this ball gonna be hit to me? And the longer the period that they go from not having a ground ball to that next one, their mind is doing dances with them. They're, they're playing tricks on, on itself, and all of a sudden that ball is hit, and we look like a completely different athlete. Like I said, like we've never done this action before. So what I force infielders to do is have to use their athleticism. We would all agree that no matter what position you're playing on the infield, you're on the infield because you have some degree of athleticism. And when we use our athletic ability to the best of our ability, we're better athletes, we're better infielders. So what I want to force our infielders to do is to play deeper, force them to have to stay on the move charging a ground ball, and use their athleticism to more of their ability and a better chance of fielding that ground ball and throwing it successfully. Because what we've done now is we've taken the thinking portion out of the play. So if I can take the mind out of the play, where players have had anxiety about fielding the ground ball, then I force them just to react instantaneously be athletic and go back to the indoor setting they have where they weren't thinking a great deal about mechanics, tempo, how should I approach this ground ball, they're just reacting and doing. Let's put our infielders in a position to react and do. So if you have that player that's constantly collapsing on ground balls here early in the year, we said number one, get out on the field and practice ground balls on the field, there's no substitute for that. But number two, let's deepen them up from their normal starting position. Two or three steps is plenty and force them to have to be more athletic in getting to the baseball. Now we're forcing them to have to stay in one fluid motion, use their athleticism to their advantage, and we're gonna make more consistent plays. So that's one fielding tip we have when guys are struggling a little bit, initially as they get outdoors, or just going through that dreaded fielding slump. Until next week, this is Justin Stone from EliteBaseball.tv, and we'll see you on the field. Good stuff as always, really appreciate it. I. Um... You know, couldn't I couldn't imagine this show not involving him as he was such a big part of it from the beginning and the growth that we had. And again, I I, I still encourage my kids, and I ask them to do it. I don't do it with them, but they both have the passwords to EliteBaseball.tv. They get on there themselves. They try to learn. Um, I've passed it on to so many parents. That's the thing, too. You don't just have to be a coach or a player. If you're a parent, chances are you're probably trying to help your kid. And you probably don't understand sometimes the best way to do that. All you got to do is go to EliteBaseball.tv, watch the videos. He was he, basically, I've, I've said this before, I, I learned about Justin from my cousin who's a, who's a double-A coach for the Pittsburgh Pirates. This is when he was with the Chicago White Sox. He worked with Justin up there at the academy a little bit in the offseason. And he told me, this is your guy, and let me tell you why. It's one thing that he's good, but it's the way he talks and teaches. I promise you can take what he's doing and do it with my son at the time who was nine. He goes, I'm telling you, it won't be over his head. He will understand this, and so will you. Great verbiage. Yeah, That's great just verbiage. unbelievable stuff. So can't miss it. Good stuff. Make sure you check it out, EliteBaseball.tv. Okay, it's time for a really popular and growing segment here. Um, you guys have lots of questions out there. Sometimes you want to ask the experts, so let's let you do that right now. Let's hear from Rick Strickland from the St. Louis Pirates with his Ask Rick segment. Take it away, Rick. Hey, Jim. Thanks for having me again on the show today. Uh, excited as usual to be on the show and answering questions from the great audience out there about anything and everything baseball-wise. And this week's question was about whether or not um, or how uh, they, uh, they should train uh, a kid to throw, whether they should train or throw right-handed or left-handed. 
specific question was, can you actually influence whether or not my son will throw left-handed? And if so, is it a really good idea? Um, you know the stories about forcing kids to pick up and throw baseballs when they're little or left-handed only. Uh, to be honest with you, so I've heard that before, never really kind of given it much thought. Um, my question to the, the person that's asking that question is, you know, what would be the goal? What would be the purpose? What are you trying to accomplish by forcing the, the, the kid to throw a particular way? I'm almost under the impression that, you know, out of all these stories that we heard, which probably hasn't been very many when you think of it, think of it in the grand scheme of how many kids actually play baseball, being forced to throw with either hand or being able to hit from either side of the plate, it's probably not that many people. But I would also tell you that a high percentage of those people who tried it have probably have not been as successful as they would have liked to be if the goal was to make this guy a dominant left-handed pitcher and play in the big leagues or actually be a uh, left-handed hitter and go from there. There are some success stories, and sometimes we get wrapped up on the success stories uh, of some kids and some families doing this to the kid and, and making them – uh, and the kid turned out to be a pretty good success story. But a lot of different things play into that, you know, not only being able to take that and become a really good player from a skill perspective, but also being blessed with the athletic ability to take it, capitalize on what's happening with there. So I'm not uh, from the perspective that uh, you want to force anything on these guys. You just let them pick the balls up, let them play as they, they may, and, you know, whatever happens on that side happens at this point in time. I don't think that there's a big advantage uh, of forcing anything on a player at this point. At least the percentages probably don't bear that out. And since there aren't any percentages, I, I just, um, I'm going to go with my gut feel. So hopefully I answered that question as best I could. And that question again was whether or not you should force a kid to throw or left handed or right handed. I'm on the opinion, opinion that it doesn't really matter. Uh, let Destiny figure out that for you. Thanks, Jim, again. As always, very excited about answering questions uh, from the from the great audience out there. Look forward to the questions in the upcoming weeks as we move forward with it. And uh, if you have any questions uh, about me specifically or any type of things that we do with the training program, you can reach out to us at uh, samoutelite.com. Thanks, Jim. Awesome stuff as always and quickly becoming one of our uh, best segments. As Like I said, I think you guys have lots of questions out there. Don't forget, you can always share them with us. Um, do it. We're happy to get them. I, you know, if you had a question for one of our guests, uh, they you typically tell you how you can get a hold of them. But if you want to come through here for whatever reason, you can do that as well. Don't forget, social media is a great tool. Let's use it. Um, so, again, thanks, special thanks to Rick Strickland, St. Louis Pirates Nation, and, of course, his supporter, Blast Motion, the great product that's helping a lot of young hitters out there learn how to swing the bat correctly. So. Another great show, my man. Love doing this with you each and every week. I feel like, um, you know, I say it all the time. I wish I would have been doing this 11, 12 years ago. I feel like I'd have been a better coach, a better man in the game of baseball. And, boy, I sure would have been a lot smarter. The beauty of podcasting. The beauty of podcasting. Because then you get full access to them. (laughs) Well, you know, it's funny. I, I say all the time that I have access to a lot of things now that I needed access to 11 years ago. But... Again, what are we trying to do here? We're just trying to share information. Uh, you'll never, not once, will you ever hear myself or Spiker, the one thing we're committed to, you're never going to hear us say, do this and you'll have success. You're not going to hear that because success is not guaranteed in this game. Mm-mm. What we do try to do is say, hey, listen, here's some stuff that we've learned. We, I'm not, I don't know that I want to say we endorse everything we talk about because I think our commitment level is to give you information. Yeah. So we may sit here sometimes and think, okay, Listen, it's up to you to go out and research it and find out for yourself, because really, what might be right for you may not be right for me. One thing we do stick on, though, is hard work and well, dedication. Yeah, that's, I, that's by far a staple in this show. Listen, if, if everybody approached it that way, you and I wouldn't even have to have that conversation. Yeah. It would be inherently part of it. But that's the thing. We talk about things that are inherent. Like, I thought David brought up a great point. You know, risk is inherent in pitching. It, it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. There's no way around that. Well, you know what's inherent in being good? Hard work. Yeah. I guarantee you, even the guys out there that you may be jealous of, if everybody's got them, right? I mean, we all know we've all that those are the things nobody likes to talk about. Jealousy amongst teammates, families, mm-hmm. things like that. Everybody thinks that kid's so good. Da 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 da. I hear that all the, the time. I hear it all the time, right? Well, I can tell you that that kid has to work hard. Mm-hmm. Nobody doesn't work hard and makes a career out of this. Mm-mm. I'm sorry. Now, when you're younger, we see a lot of this. That what's the question all the time? Man, that kid was really good when he was young. What happened? Well, 
I can tell you a couple things that might have happened. He might not have been a worker. Because at the young age, this game can be dominated by physically imposing kids that just aren't as good. But the game can be physically dominated in the game of baseball. It just can. Look at it. It's very simple. You've all played it. You've all done it. What happens when you show up to an 11U tournament and some kid on the other team's throwing gas? What happens? Your kids are intimidated. You typically get shut down. Why? A kid throwing that hard from that short a distance, it, what do you do with that? Let's go. Let's try to beat him. Let's try to beat him. Now, chances are you may not. So what happens? A kid that physically dominating the game is imposing. Let's put a solid three swings on this guy. Now what? That. Okay, but what happens when that kid really needs to start working, when that mound gets back to 60 feet? Yeah. What happens when all these kids that he dominated when they were 10 years old have now grown up and he hasn't grown much? What happens, and this is where it's sad, and this is why we're doing the thing, what happens when that kid who's thrown 150 innings a year for five years is now in high school? Yeah. What happens? Sometimes that arm is shot. Mm-hmm. Why? I don't know. You can probably drive to his house, and I'll bet you he's got a lot of trophies and a lot of medals. That ball looks hope great. It was worth it. And again, hey, nothing wrong with winning. Yeah. I like winning. There's a right way to do it and a wrong way. Hey, really enjoy the show, man. This has been awesome. Enjoy it. I love it. Curious who we follow up all these guys with. I got a couple ideas. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's time to try to get Bodie on. Yep. Driveline. I think it's time. We need to put the pressure on him. Yep. And then then the next thing you know, then we're going uphill, downhill. Yeah. Can't wait. That's the next one. You guys can be be looking for that. To swing up or to swing down? That is the question. <laughs> was that Shakespeare? I think so. I think it was Shakespeare. Damn, now we're, we're really getting... We're already quoting now Shakespeare. We're back, now, now we're, we're back to... Hey, and I want to say this, too. I, I, we don't do this enough. Last thing before we go. I want to applaud um, David Berkby for bringing up academics. I love... Yeah. That's another thing. Yep. There's another thing I want to bring up lastly. When you start talking to anybody about being a part of them and what your future goals are, if they don't talk to you about academics, that's another thing you need to turn around and run. Turn around and run. Mm-hmm. I, they are as important as anything you're going to do. Folks, there is not a lot of money in this. Here's what I will tell you this. If you're a good baseball player and you make really good grades, there's somewhere for you to play. There really is. Now, again, it may not be, as you mentioned earlier, it's, it may not be South Carolina. Mm-hmm. It may not be Alabama, Ole Miss, Missouri. But I'm going to tell you right now, if you make good grades and you want to play college baseball, there's somewhere for you to play. Yeah. Now, again, it may not be where you want to go, but there's somewhere for you because there's not enough kids that make good grades. And you're a unicorn if you're good at baseball and you have grades. That's a full ride possibility. Yep. Every guy I know that's going through the process, they want to know. And I know two that are really interesting right now that I happen to be very close to, and they're obviously here, one of them being a highly academic kid that wants to use baseball for academics, not the other way around. Mm -hmm. Like he has dreams of going to Harvard or or Georgetown or somewhere like that. MIT. That's what he wants to do. What's the first question? That every time he talks to him, the first question, how's your grades? First question. That's that kid. The other kid kind of views it a little different. He wants to go to the best baseball school he can to, right? Mm-hmm. So you would think, okay, well, since they're a baseball school, it's opposite. Nope. Nope. First question, how's your grades? ACT. What's why is on? that? I'll tell you why it is. Because they know that money is going to make a difference in the decision. So when a school costs $30,000 a year to go to, and they come to you and say, yes, I really want you here. I'm going to give you a quarter scholarship. If you went to school at all, and I was told there'd be no math, just take 25% off of 30 grand. Well, you got to come up with that money if you want to come to this school and play baseball. Now, what happens when you say, yeah, I'm a 4.0 and I got a 28 on my ACT? And he says, oh, really? Well, guess what? You're going to get a quarter baseball and 50% academic. Now you can come here, play baseball, and it only costs you X. Seems a little more manageable. And with, this goes back to hard work. Um, you know, I Oh, have, it's not just in the gym. And, I, the have, and I have Tiger TV, which I go to colleges and I talk to college coaches and we talk about the academics. SAU Carbondale coach, Coach Henderson, he says the first thing I look at, GPA. Why? Because that's going to tell me if that kid's working his tail off in the classroom. 
he can go through the ACT. If he, he can score a 30, but if he has a 2.0 GPA, what's that going to correlate to on the field? Same thing. It's hey, going to be laziness. I, I, I won't say the kid's name because, again, it's, you know, they may not want it said, but you know, I, I, there's a kid at a good baseball school, and uh, the story comes out that you know, a lot of people didn't think he could play there. Okay, I heard it for a year. I asked the guy about it, and he says, well, I can tell you one of the things, the very first thing he said is we really like him. We think he's an athlete. We think he can develop into something. Not sure he'll be a player for us right away. What's his grades? And when they heard his grades, they said, you should have seen the look on the coach's face when they told him the grades. It went to instant elation. Oh, my God, he's a 30 ACT and a 4.5. They offered him that day. I think I'm going to marry him. They got nothing. They have All they have to lose is if you decide you come there and you don't like it. They don't lose. And you get what? What did Benji Molina say? You get a what? An opportunity. And that should be all you want is an opportunity. If you don't want that opportunity, you need to go start swimming or doing something else. I'm sorry. Low, low risk. That's what coaches want. They want low risk. Well, grades, grades, grades. And I applaud uh, David Berkeley for bringing that up. Again, um, we need to do a consciously better effort of bringing that up more yeah, often. Talk about for it more sure. often, yeah. Hey, great show this week. Again, special thanks to my contributors, Justin Stone with EliteBaseball.tv, Rick Strickland with St. Louis Pirates, of course, TheRopeTrainer.com with my good friends Earl Perrin, Chris Verna, and John Smoltz. And as John says, everyone should have one from big leaguers to little leaguers. Enjoyed the guest today. Again, i got to bring up his name again, David Burkby, General Manager, Rawlings Tigers Baseball Program, St. Louis, Missouri. Also their pitching program coordinator. Loved his take on some of the stuff. Had a little bit. I liked it. He was a little bit different on a few things than the past guys we've had. Um, I think his stuff's a little more program driven. I think he, he, you know, he has that fine line of running a program and, and pitching and being involved in all these kids' lives. So it's pretty interesting. What I think makes them good at what they do is probably also what's going to help them make strides in this area as well. Hey, this is what we're doing. This is the what process. We mm-hmm. talked about that word. I think it's a positive, and they're obviously in good hands. And you as well. You do a great job over there. So Before we sign off, I want to say thank you to all the listeners because, again, without you guys, this show would not happen. It would just be me and Jim talking to a mic. Yeah. So, uh, well, that's I, what it felt like when I first started is anybody – like I tap on it and goes, anybody out there? Is anybody out there? And then the download started to roll But in. we are absolutely grateful for um, your attention and listening. And, um, again, any suggestions, uh, throw them our way. Yeah, please do. And don't forget, youthbaseballtalk.com is where you'll find us. That's what houses the episodes. Of course, you can subscribe through there, which is free. At Podcast Baseball is where you're going to find us on Twitter. Of course, Facebook's great. Not limited to 140 characters. You can sure share a whole lot more. Don't forget to do that as well. Youth Baseball Talk. And again, special thanks goes out to our producer, Brian Crock, all the gang at lineupmedia.fm. If you enjoy podcasting, which you obviously do because you're listening to this show, they take your entertainment time very seriously. Give them an opportunity for your time. Lineupmedia.fm. Great show, my man. Love it. Youth Baseball Talk. We'll see you on the field. Tune in next week for another edition of Youth Baseball Talk. Subscribe and leave a rating and review on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to the show. Find us online at youthbaseballtalk.com, facebook.com slash youthbaseballtalk, or on Twitter at podcastbaseball. Plus, check out all of our podcasts at lineupmedia.fm. Youth Baseball Talk, only on lineupmedia.fm.